You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. They don't realize they need the Savior just as much as the prostitute who's selling her body on the street. But they don't see it. Jesus said about these kind of people, he said, because you claim you can see, you're blind. If you'd become blind, then you'd be able to see. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't share Christ with the religious people. I'm saying that's not the point at all. I'm just saying they are the most difficult to reach because they think they're okay. This could be a whole message in itself. The church is not meant to be an exclusive religious club. As Pastor Danny continues our study in the book of Mark in today's message, we'll be led to ask why the greedy tax collectors, the prostitutes, and degenerates that Jesus preached to understood his message and believed him so much quicker than the religious leaders and law-abiding Jews. In general, this pious group thought that they already had the answers, while the sinners were in a better position to see how lost they were and come under the leadership of a new shepherd. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Lessons on Evangelism and Church Fellowship. While there's this atmosphere of love and grace and forgiveness and there's this overflowing joy, there's also, if you're astute in your your spiritual smell, you smell a rat. We read about it. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I smell a rat. Jesus is breaking yet another religious standard of the day. And books like this big one here that I read quite often, this one I stole from my wife, thank you. It's the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary. Let me read you a little section to help us understand what's happening at this dinner party that Levi throws in honor of Jesus. That the teachers of the law who are Pharisees just happen to be there. But they're there. They're there looking to criticize. The Pharisees... Most Pharisees were not priests, but they sought to extend the concerns of ritual purity, usually associated with priests in the temple, into the lives of ordinary Jews outside the temple. They were especially known for their attention to purity rules that organized and classified things, times, and persons. Their name means separated ones, and it was essential to their sense of separateness, holiness, to know what was permissible or prescribed, clean or unclean. Pharisaic purity rules specified not only what might be eaten, but out of which vessel and with whom one might eat. The Pharisees were particularly anxious that foodstuffs be properly grown, tithed from the food, and prepared. They shunned contact with people that they labeled the people of the land, people like Levi. 
who were less conscientious about such things. The Pharisees regarded their table as an altar before God, and they sought to replicate the purity of the priest in the temple. Eating for them became a holy occasion. In our culture, when we give a dinner party, we may worry about several things, where we'll eat, in the formal dining room, in the kitchen, who sits where, will the presence of a certain guest offend another guest, what should we serve, how do we prepare the food, what dinner, where do we use, what conversation is appropriate, what dress is appropriate, guests at formal dinners may worry about which utensil to use, uh, with which course, that's my problem, and may fear committing some gaffe, I used the wrong fork. To the Pharisees, such questions had religious meaning. They gathered in hallowed groups to eat together in purity and reduce the risk of any pollution from the non-observant. The Pharisees believed that sinners would be kept at arm, should be kept at arm's length until decontaminated by proper repentance and the ceremonial rites. And I hope that little bit of background helps you understand exactly what's happening at this party that Levi throws in honor of Jesus. They're breaking all the religious rules of the day. And Jesus is the one leading them to do so. Jewish leadership over time had defined holiness. They boiled it down to 613 commandments from the Old Testament law, based on the Old Testament law. There were 365 don'ts and 248 do's. I think that's interesting. There are many more don'ts than do's. And it's the same way with religious legalism today. They'll tell you more don'ts than do's. They had their religion boiled down to almost a science, the way to dress, where to go, what to eat, not to eat, who to hang out with, who not to hang out with. And those who followed these religious practices, listen carefully, they became an exclusive group. And you could identify them by these things. So Jesus, a respected rabbi, leading his followers at Levi's house to socialize with many tax collectors and sinners was to them anathema. Anathema is an abomination. So we have a radical decision by a tax collector named Levi, also called Matt, to become a follower of Jesus. And Levi throws a party, it's a mega party, and at this party we have a radical rabbi leading his followers to break all the religious rules of the day in terms of who you hang out with. And so we learn some radical lessons, and oh God, help me, help us. I mean this with all my heart, to live it out and not just teach it. To follow Jesus requires a radical departure from your present lifestyle. Please keep in mind that lifestyle may not have been a publican, a tax collector, and a sinner. Maybe you're just religious. And your religion may have it all wrong in terms of being like Jesus. Because there are a lot of religious people, and if you really get to know Jesus, you'll find out that's not what Jesus is like at all. So if you're the publican, you're the tax collector, the sinner, you're the outright rebel, you're, you're doing the sin that everybody knows, and you know it's sin. Uh, you you want to follow Jesus, it means a radical departure. You need to leave that life. But if you're a religious bigot, you need to leave that life too. Because the last thing Jesus was was a religious bigot. They accused him of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I want to be labeled that in the religious world. Healthy people are the most difficult to reach with the gospel. 
Don't you misunderstand verse 17 in our text. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, and it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's not saying by that statement, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are healthy and so that they don't need me. You go to Matthew's gospel, chapter 21, and right in the middle Verse 31, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, and he's talking to the religious leaders of the day. I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe him. Most difficult people to reach with the gospel are religious people who think they're okay. And they're not doing what the world is doing. And they're not the obvious publican and sinner and tax collector as it was in this culture. They go to church. They believe in God. They may be respected in the community. But they don't know God. And they don't know they have a need for a Savior. And they expect to stand before God one day and he say, you were a pretty good person there on earth. Welcome into heaven. And they're in for a Hell of a surprise. Thank you. That's the right context of using the word hell. And they don't realize they need the Savior just as much as the prostitute who's selling her body on the street. But they don't see it. Jesus said about these kind of people, he said, because you claim you can see, you're blind. If you'd become blind, then you'd be able to see. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't share Christ with religious people. I'm saying that's not the point at all. I'm just saying they are the most difficult to reach. Because they think they're okay. This could be a whole message in itself. The church is not meant to be an exclusive religious club. And while I could speak a long time on this one, let me just say one thing to us who know the Lord, and especially if you're a small group leader or you're a part of a group now and you've got your friends and you paid the price to get to know one another and now you call Calvary Chapel your home church and you got your, you got your group. Do not let that group become a clique. Because if we'll take this message to heart, if we'll take this message to heart, guess what? In the days, months, and years to come, it's going to revolutionize the, 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 what you see here at Calvary Chapel St. Pete. Because there, there will be no empty seats here. There will be no empty I really believe that. And it won't be just people coming from another church or moving from another state and they move here. And look, anybody's welcome here. There's nothing wrong with that. You come from another church, we want you where God wants you. We want you where you can grow the best. If that's in another local church, then that's where you ought to be. We welcome anybody here. But what we want to see are some Levi's and some prostitutes and some publicans and sinners and they're becoming followers of Jesus and when they become part of our church they need to do more than come here on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night and sit here and listen to a big mouth like me they need to become part of the family and we need to welcome them and so don't let your group become exclusive don't you let your group become a clique and I'm talking to people who love the Lord and I'm talking to me as well as you The basis for our righteousness must be the basis for our fellowship. The only exception to that is 1 Corinthians 5. He has a professing believer in known habitual sin and as a discipline so that they might be convicted and repent. says don't even eat with them. That's what 1 Corinthians 5 says. A professing believer uh, who's living in habitual sin. You're not to treat them like you would if they're not doing that. You're not to be self-righteous about it. 
No, no self-righteousness. But other than that, listen, the basis of our fellowship is Jesus. Doesn't matter our background. Doesn't matter our social status. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter our IQ. Doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter any of those things. The color of our skin. Doesn't matter. There should be no divisions in the body of Christ. And we should approach evangelism the way Jesus did and according to the instruction and example of the New Testament. Oh, maybe we'll talk more about this. Maybe. People tell me, uh, people that have been here over the years tell me I'm transparent. And I hope they mean well by that, and I think they do. And I, I guess that's true. What you see is what you get. And so I'm going to be transparent. And I'm going to tell you that not too long ago, I lost my personal passion for sharing Christ with others. I didn't lose my passion for Christ. I didn't lose my passion for, for wanting to see people saved. Uh, but it was a lot easier to give an invitation to receive Christ here than it was when I was at Bush Gardens and I happened to run into people from England and I'm there doing my squirting ministry and we get in a conversation and, uh, and I want to talk to them and get to know them and show them which one is the best one and help them squirt their mom, dad, son, daughter, uh, you know, neighbor, whoever. And I enjoy doing that. I meet people from all over the world. I really do. All over the world. But there were so many times not too long ago that the last thing I wanted to talk to them about was Jesus. Is that transparent? Sometimes I just want to have a good time. Sometimes I just want them to like me and not take the chance that once they find out I'm a Christian, and especially a pastor, that they no longer want to squirt with me. <laughs> and you know what's happened? Not too long ago, that happened. And not too long ago, I repented. And I repented by faith. Just like I repented when, when I knew I needed to learn to love my wife by faith. And if you know my marriage testimony... That's what our marriage testimony is called, learning to love by faith. And as I learned to love my wife by faith, if you know our testimony, over time God gave me through my faith and acting, acting out of love, now God has welled up inside of me this rich love that I can't explain, that I love my wife. I love her by faith sometimes, but I also love her with this gushing real love that comes from the Lord. I really do. You know what he's done? You know what he's done? When I lost my passion to personally share Christ, and I didn't want to always do it, and sometimes I just say, Lord, I don't want to do that, and I'm not looking for an open door, and I'm not praying for an open door. You know what? I repented. I said, Lord, I have been so wrong. And now that I've been doing it by faith, what's happened is the same thing that God did in my marriage. Now I have this rushing, fresh river flowing inside of me that every time I have an opportunity, I want to share Christ. I'm so thankful for that. Had my testimony, which is in a larger booklet called Finding the Father's Love, and I thought, you know, I need something so that in those times, wherever I am, that I don't have an opportunity to personally talk to them and, and share Christ with them. It just doesn't work because of, it just doesn't work. Uh, I can at least say, hey, this is a story about my life. Would you take this and would you read it? I give these out at Bush Gardens all the time now. I was doing a Calvary Chapel uh, men's conference last weekend in Ormond Beach on the other coast. And I got in a conversation walking out of my hotel on my way to teach in the morning session. And I have a bunch of these in my car. And I noticed a couple of bikers. And I said, hey, is there a bike event going? And to cut the story short, we got in a little conversation. I noticed one of the guys had a Myrtle Beach shirt, Myrtle Beach on the back. I said, Myrtle Beach. I said, I did a lot of bad things in Myrtle Beach years ago. He said, 
said, yeah, I have too. You know, and we, I got to talking to these two bikers. They're from South Carolina, Cherry Grove, South Carolina, my home state. And then it wasn't an open door to actually share Christ. But as I'm walking away, I'm telling these guys, I got to go. I got to go, you know. And, uh, and, I, and the, the spirit just said, why don't you get one of these out of the car? And I came back and I said to these guys, I said, guys, I didn't have time to talk any longer, you know, but I'm telling you, the thing I said about where I used to buy drugs and I told them about all my drug doing and stuff, I said, listen, I don't do that anymore and God's changed my life and this is the story of how he changed my life. And I trust they read it. Now, let me give you some quick, quick, these are, these are going to have to be quick because I only got a few minutes left. These are some of the New Testament and things that... Help us in terms of sharing our faith and evangelizing. Pray for open doors. You never will have to cram Jesus up somebody's nose or down their throat. You don't have to do that. All you got to do is pray, Lord, if you'll open the door, you'll open the door. And you'll be amazed that he will do that. He will do that. Sometimes they'll ask you. I get one. I get one now because I'm a preacher. And, and eventually uh, somebody, if I get to know them you know, a little bit, and they'll say, well, what do you do for a living? Boy, that's an open door, ain't it? What do you do for a living? And if I tell them, that's an open door. Pray for open doors and God will open doors. You just got to be willing to walk through them. Now, this is not for everybody, but for some of us, you can throw a Levi party. You have the means to do it. And it ain't peanuts and punch. I mean, you can throw a mega party. Maybe you're used to throwing parties. Have you ever thought about throwing a party and inviting your friends and, and look, looking for an opportunity? And you've got to pray about how to do this. Now, you invite me to the party. You want me to preach? I'll preach. But maybe you don't want that. Maybe that's not what the Lord wants. Maybe it's just getting to know people and, and, and somehow they know something's different about you. They notice you're either not drinking anymore or you're not drinking like you used to. You're not, you know, your life is different. They'll see something's different about you. And whether you get up publicly before the meal and say, listen, guys, I just want you to know we don't, I've never done this at a party at my house before. I know you've been here before, but I'd like to thank God for the meal because God has changed my life. And you just say, I've become a follower of Jesus. I mean, couldn't you do that? Of course you could do that. But you do it however the Lord wants you to do it. But some of us, because we have the means and the kind of house, and, and you, could, you could throw a Levi party. One of the things that came out of this, and that we've already had a couple of people, and even our local printer said, you know, a great idea is a bunch of us writing out our own little testimonies and making our own little personal tracks. I think that's a great idea. One lady's already doing it. From last service, she's already doing it. A lot more could be said about all these points, but learn to practice relationship evangelism. One thing I want to say about that, relationship evangelism, Jesus was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. As you get to know people and associate people, don't think that you always have to right away bring up Jesus. I'm not saying don't bring up Jesus right away if the Holy Spirit tells you to bring up Jesus, but you don't always have to bring Jesus up right away. Sometimes you get to know him a little bit. Sometimes, you, sometimes it's over maybe a period of time. And you want to be careful there. Again, led of the Lord. You want to make sure the Spirit's leading us. But you don't want to always just jump up and tell them about Jesus. Because then a lot of times they just turn and go the other way. All of a sudden, they, they're not feeling good next time you invite them out for lunch. Well, I don't know. And I'm kind of busy, you know. But sometimes you just get to know them. And it's called relationship evangelism. Jesus did that. And be willing, understand the context of this, be willing to associate with 
anyone for the sake of the gospel. Even among the Jews that considered publicans, tax collectors, and sinners to be, you know, out of their fellowship, it was beyond people they would hang out with. But even the tax collectors and sinners had people that they also shunned, Samaritans. Samaritans. Ninevites. Remember, Jonah was sent to the Ninevites. The last thing Jonah wanted for the Ninevites to be saved. They were bitter enemies of Israel. But for the sake of gospel, God said, I'm sending you to them. You better tell them the good news. So don't put anybody outside of the gospel. Learn to be a chameleon. Please understand what that means. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, to those under the law became as one under the law. What does that mean? When, when he had a meal and he was invited to a meal and was a Jewish person or somebody that was in Judaism and they no longer ate pork, no longer ate bacon, and, and he wouldn't say, well, do you mind if I have some bacon? I brought some with me. No, he just eat what's there. I'll tell you what it else means. It, practically speaking, you're out at dinner with somebody. They order a beer. They order a glass of wine. You're like, I can't do that anymore. I know that's the way I was, and I can't touch that stuff anymore. I just can't touch it. But don't you look down a self-righteous nose at them for ordering it. It may be wrong for them to have it, but it may not be. And if they don't know Jesus, you're going to make that the issue? If you make that the issue, then you've just, you've just swallowed a gnat. I mean, swallowed a camel, strained it, or strained it a gnat and swallowed a camel. That's what Jesus said. You, you strain it a gnat and you swallow a camel. You just made a mountain out of a molehill. Be a chameleon. For those under the law, Paul acted like he was under the law. So, it, so he said, by all possible means, I might see some saved. But those that offered him bacon, and he was Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee. They offered him bacon. He's, he just ate it. He didn't say anything about it. He said, well, I can't believe you're eating this stuff. He didn't make a big deal about it because it's a non-issue in terms of what real righteousness is. You're not more righteous whether you eat or whether you don't eat. You may be more healthy, but you're not more righteous. Everybody understand that? Last point. Go out of your way for the sake of the gospel. Some of us are so into our routine. Sometimes we're in a routine, even as people who really know the Lord and love the Lord. But some of us, listen, some of us need to get out of the routine, need to volunteer for a juvenile detention center ministry on a Friday night. You need to go to a prison and go, join up one of our prison teams and go. You talk about a captive audience to share Christ. You go to prison. The best news about prison, when I started doing prison ministry years ago, I was, I was a little nervous knowing that I'd done nothing wrong. But I thought they might find out of what I used to do and not let me out of here. <laughs> but you talk about a captive audience, and those guys, those guys are hungry. You talk about, you talk about a, 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 an audience that's ripe for the picking. That's one right there. Some of us need to go out of our routine for the sake of the gospel. Jesus had to go through Samaria because there was a Samaritan woman at a well that needed living water. Go out of our way. For the sake of the gospel. William Booth, who was the guy who started the Salvation Army, made one quote I'll never forget. I'm going to read it for us. Listen carefully. Some want to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Listen to that again. Some want to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I know what it's like hearing another message. I know what it's like. I, I'm the same as you. I prepare the message. I teach the message. The challenge is to live it. 
And if we'll live this message out, if we'll really live this message out, I, I really believe with everything in me, I believe that in days, months, and years to come, it's going to revolutionize our fellowship because we're going to see some Levi's coming to the Lord. We're going to see some prostitutes coming to the Lord. We're going to see some people we work with coming to know the Lord. We're going to see some friends and family and neighbors. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word. <laughs>